What has the world come to? I mean, seriously. With one hand, we slap the face of terrorism and declare it unfit for this world, for its destruction of our past. And with the other hand, well, <laughs> that's just business. As you can tell, I'm very, very cynical, angry, and annoyed today. <laughs> Aren't I usually? Now, what this episode is about is probably going to be a little bit of an explanation of why archaeologists are annoyed at the new Neighbourhood Improvement and Planning Bill, which will be set to hit Parliament this year. It was announced during the Queen's speech and recently um, by the House of Commons as well, with several publications being kind of thrown out there. Now, one of the issues here is um, it's meant to basically deal with the lack of provision for housing in the UK and within that affordable housing. It's meant to give more power to local communities for allowing building to happen. And it's meant to kind of strip away power from local councils to stop building happening. Now, one of the really, really difficult part of uh, the bill to swallow for any archaeologist is the part which says <clears throat> I'll paraphrase here that pre-commencement conditions cannot be implemented pardon me cannot be implemented unless absolutely necessary yeah absolutely a weird term isn't it it's an odd sense of phrasing almost as if all the pre-commencement conditions are well they're a load of tosh and they're just thrown in to delay everything get in the way of somebody making money well that's precisely what the argument here is and that's precisely why this been uh, this this uh, that's why this bill has been put in place and you have to wonder why? Well, basically, it goes a little something like this. So the planning law is basically brought in to make planning process easier, faster, and clearer. Hmm, that's an interesting one, isn't it? But basically, they, the government basically have noted that there's been an excessive use of pre-commencement conditions, i.e. conditions that developers have to follow if they want to actually um, do any work. And... Um, the councils have been abusing this to slow down or stop the construction of homes after planning permission has been given. Now, the Neighbourhood Planning and Infrastructure Bill, not the improvement one, <laughs> it would tackle the overuse and in some cases misuse of certain planning conditions. 
But the question really is, is, is there an overuse and abuse of these? And the other side of it, is there a use of these planning conditions? Now the question is, are these pre-commencement conditions which are being posed by local councils, how do they affect archaeology? Because that's ultimately what is being argued here. Now, fortunately for us, we have some sort of glimmer at the end of the tunnel. Mike Hayworth, who's the director for the Council for British Archaeology, said that he spoke recently to both the Department of Culture and Media and the and um, also the Department of Communities, stating that uh, archaeology is not going to be stripped out within this plan. However, as much as I'm sure Mike Hayworth did agree that with those people, I still wonder whether it is something that's, you know, definitely, that is, isn't going to happen. I mean, okay, the problem is that perhaps it's true, they don't want to strip out archaeology, but if that happens by the very virtue of only absolutely necessary pre-commencement conditions, which, I mean, at the end of the day, this is also subjective. I mean, who decides what is absolutely necessary in terms of conditions? I mean, what if somebody says, well, look, archaeology isn't absolutely necessary in this field, and somebody says, yes, it is. I mean, who is making that final decision? I mean, this this bill already sounds as if it comes out of it comes out of lobbying from developers, and there's nothing wrong with developers lobbying. I mean, that's part of the government, right? And I have nothing against developers per se. I I think it's absolutely fine for somebody to want to, to develop uh, and build. That's you know, and that's what we need as a as a country. But but the provision of rooting out any blockades and any barriers is very much going to allow people to abuse that. I mean, we're talking about the abuse of pre-commencement conditions, which I'm sure has happened. But then what about the abuse of these, this new planning bill? And obviously, it's only introduced. There's no fine print. You know, there's only certain like, so the, the, the statements that have currently been made are just broad statements about what the planning bill wants to do. And there has not been any finer details. Fortunately, there is still debate up there. And I think that, you know, we as archaeologists should make our voices heard in this debate. I don't think we should be languishing in the fact that, well, <laughs> we, 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 it'll never happen. Like, okay. I think we should add to the debate, debate blah, blah, blah. I think we should add to the debate as archaeologists. I think there's, well, there's some voices who say, well, it's just going to happen anyway. And even if that is the case, even if that the archaeological community isn't loud enough, um, I think we should still make a case because, yes, we may not stop it from coming in. We might be able to cause a little bit of rebellion at the same time. We might, might be able to shift something in the language, because that ultimately it's not just about it's not just about keeping jobs in archaeology. I mean, obviously that is quite important, <laughs> but this is about a wider understanding of how important British cultural heritage is. Now. At the start, I got a bit angry about the whole uh, one hand arguing about ISIS destroying Palmyra and us sitting here going, you know, 
oh, let's just sweep our provision for archaeology under the rug. And I think it still holds. I mean, look, I mean, I know I am really... Uh, what was the word for being... You're saying it too much. Oh. I know what the word is. It begins with a P or a H. I can't remember. It's where you know you go over the top. Hyperbole. You know when you've forgotten a word? Yeah, it's just... It, it, it's hyperbole. It's, the fact is that oh, I'm being a little bit facetious when I'm talking about comparing the British government um, to um, Daesh or ISIS's destruction of cultural heritage. Um, I mean, it's obvious that ISIS is basically using iconoclasm as a way to rile up Western interests and as a way to kind of cement itself as a as a uh, like constantly in the news because ultimately that's what it wants it wants to be constantly there as a threat because it thinks that by doing that it can you know it, it's just a way of antagonizing people i think that but what we can do is we can use that we can say look guys if you're so up in the air if you're so up in arms about isis destroying cultural heritage and i mean let's remember that according to syria's own internal government that only i think 20 percent of palmyra's ruins have been destroyed i know zero percent is what we want but there's 80 percent still remaining however if a provision for um this provision in this bill comes that only absolutely necessary pre-commencing conditions which include archaeology um come in then well of course, we're going to lose so much more of a percentage of the UK cultural heritage. I mean, uh, recently in Aberdeen, where I used to live, there was there's a huge grave found underneath the city while they were developing up there. It's, you know, but they never knew it existed there. There's so much archaeology out there, we have no idea where it is. And if we take away that need for doing archaeological surveys, that need for doing excavations to find out more information at the front of new development, I th it's ridiculous. That is iconoclasm in law. Because although it may not seek to... <laughs> although it may not seek for a political purpose to destroy um, cultural heritage... And I would argue otherwise. I think it is, you know, it, its intention is not to openly destroy cultural heritage. It creates a system in which cultural heritage is destroyed for the political reason of the Tories sucking up to private businesses. That's really what this is about. This isn't about, oh, we're trying to get more houses built for everyone in the UK. It is really the development lobby um, putting forward uh, influence in government bills. And that's fine. That's how, you know, government works, by lobbying it. But at the same time, we have to lobby as well. We as archaeologists have to raise our hands and say, hey, this is not cool. As long as we get assurance that archaeology won't be bypassed by this new bill and archaeology won't be set aside because of all this, I don't think it'd be that I don't think it is that wrong. I mean, I can I can see how a council could use pre-commencement conditions to hold up 
um, new development. I like. I can understand it. It's not out of the realm of. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. But at the same time, I can also see how archaeology can be so easily sidetracked, and archaeological history and heritage of the UK can be utterly destroyed by somebody's desire to push a plan forward and ignore the heritage that lies beneath. And that's ultimately why it's so important for us as archaeologists right now, before the bill's even being talked about, to make our voices heard, so that when it does finally hit the cutting room floor, as it were, it does have some sort of provision for archaeology. Of course, there are so many other issues with a bill like this. It's meant to give more power to local communities as to who decides on the... Um, development and planning of buildings in their areas and it also gives councils a kind of um, they get, councils get cut back on certain things when it comes to how they decide what developments do go on there is also the discussion of a privatization of land registry and i i do wonder how that will affect um archaeology at the end i mean if anybody's got any more insight into how the land registry and archaeology work together that would be really quite something quite interesting i'd like to hear more about that but I think there's this argument that a to speed up planning process is mainly to take away unnecessary bureaucracy. That it won't take away the necessary checks and balances. But let's then, if it's not going to take away the necessary checks and balances, then let's hear that. Let's hear that in the actual word of the law. If it becomes law, if it becomes law at all. Um, I think, I mean, as as noted um, by the website outlaw.com, who look at the legal implications of new, um, the legal implications of legislation being debated at the moment, um, they basically argue that, well, they basically, they basically note that the bill, um, as, as put forward by the government, um, one of its spokespersons basically said, look, this is going to consolidate and refine all the different case studies and precedents that have been made over the last 100 years in terms of planning and development. So th there there are a number of different laws that uh, are associated with planning development, and archaeology comes in on several occasions where the planning and development um have to basically do surveys and I think it's important for the commercial segment archaeology to realize that this is a fight they have as well because if there's no need for archaeology to be done then well unfortunately commercial archaeologists don't have a job but I think that's reflected in the fact that commercial archaeology units do a lot of great work for developers and the better that they get at their jobs the more cost-effective they are for developers I really don't feel that at this point um, archaeologists and developers are at loggerheads. I think that there is a healthy relationship there. Um, perhaps some case, maybe I've just seen a lot of good cases, but I want to know what you think. I want to know if you feel that archaeology in the UK is healthy when it comes to commercial interests and whether archaeology is there an absolutely necessary archaeology? These are the questions that we have. Now, if you do want to have your say, there is an option for you. There's a wonderful petition that started on the government um, website. I mean, obviously, you can only vote if you're um, in the UK. 
Uh, let me just bring it up. Okay, cut this bit out. So the bill is called, uh, the petition is called on the UK, Stop Destruction of British Archaeology, Neighbourhood and Infrastructure Bill. It's already, at the time of recording, uh, almost 15,000 signatures. And the government has promised to respond to this. So if we get 100,000, uh, that's basically it discussed, considered for debate in Parliament, which would be really, really good. I think that would be a great way of elevating things, although I have an utter disdain for politicians who try and argue um, from a cultural history heritage kind of point of view of archaeology in the sense that, oh yeah, well, you know, like Boris Johnson's kind of view on it. I'm glad he's not mayor anymore. <laughs> He'll still probably be some sort of voice. Um, so that's, that's, I think that's where I want to wrap up with regards to the iconoclasm. Um, I think... I think what we have to do is we always have to realize that archaeology and history will be uh, political. And when there are politics involved, we have to engage. We can't take a back seat. I think that's important now more than ever. And I think we have to re make people realize who believe in heritage and history that that is so important. And we should get other people involved as well. So I hope that anybody who's listening to this has... Um, an affinity for heritage, I hope, and we'll have a look at that and uh, check that out. Now, the other thing, uh, now just before we go to a little bit of an ad break, um, do remember that the Archaeology Podcast Network has not only this show, it does have a lot of other shows. And right now we're going to hear from one of those other shows. Kim Biddulf explores the books set in our prehistoric past on Prehistories, an innovative and creative show. Kim investigates the archaeology and anthropology behind your favorite stories by bringing on guests that are experts in the field and that can speak to the actual story behind the story. Check out the show at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com forward slash prehistories. Now let's get back to the show. So anyway, I wanted to wrap this episode up. Uh, briefly by mentioning a little bit of a spat I had with somebody from Archeosoup on Facebook. Now, I'm, you know, going to throw down the heat right now. But I was talking to um, Mr. Reese from Archeosoup about a recent um, article in um, The Guardian written by Raksha Dave, who worked famously on Time Team and as part of the Dig Ventures outfit. And um, she was saying, talking about how archaeology has to be more open to be more inclusive. And I think me and Reese kind of went about the houses on various different issues. And I think they didn't tie back to the original article in the end at all. If you want, I think, I'm sure it's on the Archaeosoup Facebook page somewhere, our argument. But it was interesting to see what Raksha brought up in terms of um, just basically how archaeology needs to be more open. Uh, for everyone and i think that's something very very positive in the in the world of you know identity politics arguments about social justice and political correctness it's refreshing to hear that the real story and and i mean this is even in the middle of social justice and political correctness and all those other lovely wonderful things there is an idea that 
everything, every provision has to be made for a small subset of people at the expense of a majority of people. And that's not really true. I think this is what we kind of touched on when I spoke to Teresa O'Mahony uh, in episode 33. Um, you should go and check that out. So basically, she was talking about disabled and enabled archaeologists being part not only of um, public archaeology, but also of commercial archaeology. And that if we're less discriminatory, if we're less discriminatory as a whole against small groups of people, then as a whole, we're less discriminatory discriminatory against everybody. The same checks and balances that are in for discrimination against all those other little minor details do contribute to a better, um, better kind of space for everyone. I mean, consider this. Consider the fact that some, um, some mental illnesses have a wide variety of symptoms. And just because you have a mental illness doesn't mean that you necessarily can't do a job. Those small pieces and symptoms of mental illnesses can be exhibited by people who don't have all the full mental illness, or alternatively, you can have a varying degree of mental illness. For example, you can have Asperger's and still be high functioning, and you can be have Asperger's and be in the middle of the spectrum and still be able to do the same job. Whereas you can be not diagnosed as Asperger's, but have certain aspects of that um, kind of aspects um, and behaviors associated with Asperger's and still be able to do a job. And I think the fact is that once employers and once archaeology as a whole, as the way it does outreach, improves how it reacts to people with extremes of behavior, with extremes of whatever flavor you want, um, whether it be the mental illness, whether it be any of the other uh, ways in which, basically, um, you are identified out with the majority group. Um, if it, if archaeology as a whole can open up better, then it opens up better to everyone. Now, as Rachel herself says, it's not about pandering to groups. It's not about bending over backwards to sorted groups, but instead opening up the space to include more groups. And I think that's a very, very important part of this debate. Perhaps integration is not a word that we should use. Perhaps inclusivity is what we want. And it's not about setting a bar differently. It's not about creating a different standard. It's about improving ourselves and improving archaeology. And that's ultimately what's behind any sort of way of changing things. I think we have to change things to improve them. Now, not all changes are good. I mean, take the planning law in, for example, perhaps it is there to fix a problem, perhaps it is to improve the planning process, but at the same time, we should debate it, we should look at all the angles, we should investigate as much we can, so that something that is meant to be an improvement for everyone, or improvement for a group of people, does help everyone. And that includes archaeologists. So we should debate, we should talk, but we should always remember that archaeology isn't just for one group of people. Archaeology isn't just for those who are interested. Archaeology is for everyone. And if everyone doesn't like archaeology, maybe that's our fault. Maybe we have to make archaeology more inclusive. And how do we do that? Well, I don't have all the answers. 
I mean, what I would like to do is create a better platform for people who do archaeology to talk about it. That's why I do these podcasts. It's not just because I like the sound of my own voice. Not just because I like the sound of my own voice. But it's also about creating the space that somebody who doesn't usually think about doing podcasts says, actually, you know what? He does it, and he does it quite well. They've got quite a few listeners. You know, like, maybe, maybe I can do this kind of thing. Because that's what I feel needs to happen. We need to get, we need to get better at being not just archaeologists, but representing archaeology. I mean, you look at you look at how most people in like get in contact with archaeology. It's through TV, um, through the internet, <laughs> and uh, then of course through museums and heritage places. Let's get better. Not to say that we're not doing a good job already. Perhaps we are. But we need to get better. And we can always get better. There's no utopia. There's no final, this is it, let's not change anything. It's always about improving. Constantly. And perhaps we'll never get to that light at the end of the tunnel. We'll never get to the summit. But along the way, on the journey, we've learned a lot. And we've come a long way. And that's important. Maybe there is an end, but that's okay. We can still strive for that. And on that positive note, (laughs) on that zealous positive note, I'll leave you. Thank you for listening. And I just want to wrap up by saying, you know, I, I really appreciate people interacting with me. I really appreciate people talking to me. And, you know, we don't always have to agree on everything. That's okay. We don't have to. We can debate, and that's healthy. But the fact is, debate is important, and debate is useful. It's a way of us figuring things out, and that's great. So I'd like to hear from you guys. What do you think? Do you think the Neighbourhood and Planning uh, planning Infrastructure Bill is going to be of benefit to archaeologists or hindrance? Do you think it's going to be a threat or not? And on another point, do you think archaeology is open or can it be more open? And how can we include lots of different people? What are you doing to include people when you do public archaeology? What are you doing when you talk to friends about archaeology? Are you promoting podcasts? Because you should. You surely should. Are you doing things to make people interested in archaeology? You should. You totally should. And... (laughs) <laughs> on top of that, are you doing things that that really mean something when it comes to archaeology? Or are you just doing the same old things every day? Remember to check out all the other shows on the Archaeology Podcast Network at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. You can rate and review us on iTunes or catch us on the go on any of your favorite podcasting apps. Remember that your listens help us out, and if you want to help us out even further, you can support us by donating to the APN and helping us with our server and editing costs. Thank you very much for listening to the Anarchaeologist podcast from the Archaeology Podcast Network. Catch me on catch me on Twitter at Anarchaeologist, Instagram, and all those other lovely online social places. Thanks, guys.
Hey everybody, I just want to uh, say that the music at the start and at the end here has been <laughs> is being supplied by the wonderful Cleanse the Hive. They're a local band from Stonehaven here in Scotland and they produce metal. You should check out their new EP, it's called From the Depths. It's uh, pretty heavy and they're really really cool I got to sp uh, speak to them at a gig and they're really really cool guys so what you should do is go and check them out on SoundCloud, Facebook and all those other wonderful places online thanks guys this show is produced by Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle this has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.